Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lifetimes Podcast. I'm your host, Maurice, and thank you so much for tuning in to this eighth episode. This is the podcast where we explore the different stories, life lessons, and experiences of Filipinos navigating through life and adulthood in a foreign society. And if you haven't yet, please, I encourage everyone to give us a follow on Instagram at the Lifetimes, at the Lifetimes Podcast. And if you watch the episode, please give us a comment and to let us know that you are listening to the show. And we have another guest for us today. Um, I don't know how to introduce him, actually, <laughs> but I know he has a lot of stories here with us. He's uh, He has a lot of experience in life, I'm assuming, and I, I do have a feeling from that from him because um, before we started the show, we were just chatting about the progress of how, um, uh, how this uh, project is currently going, and he's already given me some good pointers that I will definitely take away after... Uh, after the show and hopefully apply them to the program to further improve it so and um and these sort of things uh these uh positive um uh what do you call this uh constructive criticisms is uh very important i guess in you know developing something from you know from from scratch because you don't really know uh what you're doing wrong what you're doing right so i encourage everyone um, I'll, I'll make a post actually, or just just wondering what how's everyone everyone's thoughts are. What are you liking about the show? Maybe there's some things that uh, we can improve on to make it more uh, make it more fun, make it more interesting, and hopefully, um, uh, what do you call this? And engage more of our listeners to be part of this uh, of this show and just be build a community on top of it. So. That being said, please allow me to welcome our guest for today, uh, for this morning, tonight, whatever time you're listening to the show, uh, Paul. Hey, how you doing, Maurice? Hey, Paul. Thank you so much for being uh, our guest for for this episode. Uh, for our listeners, the time of this recording is getting kind of late. Well, 10, 10 p.m. <laughs> right <laughs> at, at um, you know, for me, this is getting kind of late. But um, back in uh, I don't know, uh, five ten years ago, this was still pretty early. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're getting old, Maurice. <laughs> How are you, man? How are you, Paul? Good. I'm good. Thank you for uh, letting me talk. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm much more happier for you to be here because um, I, I know you've had a lot of experiences in. In um in your professional career in in life that I know will be of, of value not only to myself but also to our listeners. So uh, before we begin, do you mind just giving us a, a quick intro or a background of uh, who Paul is and how you got to where you are? Sure. So um, I was uh, born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii, and uh, I actually thought that I was going to stay as a homeboy in Hawaii for the rest of my life. I just thought, why would I go anywhere? And, you know, I've, I've flown to other places, but when I was young, I just thought, I'm just going to live in Hawaii forever. Um, but as I got older, and especially when I started university, um, I left for Rutgers University in New Jersey. Um, and that was the first time that I left for an extended amount of time you know you go on vacation one or two weeks 
but now I'm going for months, you know, I'm going to university. Um, so when I went to Rutgers, um, it was fine. Of course, I was homesick. Um, but the one thing I learned was that I hated the snow. <laughs> so uh, you I don't get snow uh, in Honolulu, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, it's funny because uh, I've never seen snow until I went to Rutgers. And uh, so can you imagine? I didn't see snow until I was 18. And when I saw that white stuff come down, I actually went outside and I'm sure my, my cousins who are with me, they're, just, they're laughing at me, but I went outside and I'm, I'm touching the snow and I'm like, holy cow, this is the craziest thing I've ever felt, you know? But uh, I quickly learned that uh, I hated snow because uh, it was terrible driving, like slipping and sliding, I, I couldn't take it. And, and even just walking around um, with a heavy, um, uh, jacket and, and wearing long johns and all that stuff. I just thought, boy, this is terrible. <laughs> anyway, so um, I went to Florida for uh, March break and I loved it. And I wanted to find out what universities um, were there. Now, when I went to Rutgers, I was going for my electrical engineering degree. So I, find, I looked around to see what universities had uh, any sort of uh, engineering school in Florida. And I ended up at the University of Florida, uh, which I found out later was the number one uh, school, one number one college for engineering in the Southeast. And I think um, now it's like, uh, I don't know, top 10 in the, in the country. So you know, I just thought that was cool. Anyway, so I ended up um, finishing my uh, education at uh, University of Florida. I graduated as a Bachelor of Science in uh, Electrical Engineering. Now, I was always into car stereos, you know, ever since I was a kid. So I, uh, um, I was always pushed by that. And it was partly why I um, went into electrical engineering is because I like the electronics part of it, you know, the amplifiers and that sort of thing. And in fact, when I graduated, um, as an electrical engineer, I actually had a job offer um, with a um, car amplifier manufacturer in uh, in Florida, but I ended up uh, not wanting to go because, to be honest, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to go back home because, you know, as I said, I, I just thought I'm going to just be in Hawaii for the rest of my life. Um, so when I did uh, graduate, I went immediately back home to Hawaii and um, I actually got a job uh, at an uh, audio video um, integrator um, it's called Hawkins Audio Engineering um, so that was kind of neat uh, so I, you know when, when I graduated from university uh, I was lucky enough to already be part of uh, the audio visual market right um, but in this case, it was just uh, just background music stuff, Muzak. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that kind of background music that you hear in like McDonald's or shopping malls or whatever. Um, elevator music? Elevator music, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, and then I worked for different AV companies until um, I moved to Canada in 1996, where I continued to work for uh, different AV companies in Toronto. Um, and fast forward to 2017, 
I started my own AV consulting business. So you went from Hawaii, Florida, back to Hawaii, then over to Eastern Canada, and then here. Yeah, actually, well, Vancouver. well, I mean, just to just to be uh, uh, accurate, I'm Hawaii to New Jersey, to Florida, to Hawaii, to Toronto, uh, and then to um, Vancouver. How do you pronounce Hawaii? Is that am I pronouncing it wrong? No, <laughs> is that <laughs> it's, it's Hawaii? I mean, that's the uh, proper way to say oh, it. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, because they use or they sound the W as a V, because V is not a letter in uh, the Hawaiian alphabet, so it's actually Hawaii. Oh, so it's like uh, like uh, I think it's the same case in like German or or something. The way they're pronounce Volkswa- uh, Volkswagen it's Volkswagen <laughs> or something <laughs> I suppose I don't know <laughs> I don't know what tie there is to uh, the German language and the Hawaiian language but uh, all I can say is um, yeah in in Hawaii um, the W's uh, are sounded out as V's so you know actually funny thing about that is um you know, I've been away from Hawaii for since since '96, and um, over time, my my pigeon accent that mean you know some people might uh, know about from Hawaii, I thought it was gone. So I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a in a meeting, and I I told some guy at the meeting, uh, oh by the way, yeah, I'm I'm from Hawaii, and a guy said, yeah, I could tell because of the way you talk. And I, I just thought, really? I still have that, that accent? Well, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that accent sounds like. You sound pretty okay. I don't pick up an accent. Yeah, I well, suppose. Well, maybe because I'm not exposed to anyone from Hawaii. Maybe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the guy who said that, um, he said that he's been to Hawaii many times. So he knows what... Um, us locals sound like you know what I mean I never so, knew you yeah. were from Hawaii yeah 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 I'm only finding out that finding that out right now that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> well for me I've never I've never been actually to Hawaii but maybe after COVID <laughs> yeah right we'll seriously see. I mean um, uh, from what I hear right now um, Hawaii is um, starting to open back up, so a lot of other Americans, um, they're you know they're flying to Hawaii. However, right now Hawaii, uh, they kind of know that people are are coming back and they've been raising prices. That's what I hear anyway. So maybe now's not the time. Is it expensive to live in Hawaii? You know how it's expensive here in Vancouver. Is it? Yeah. Expensive also there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's two things about the economy in Hawaii. Of course, it's it's driven um, a majority of the economy is driven by um, tourism, um, and because of that, the land in Hawaii, real estate, is quite expensive. Unfortunately, the cost well, the cost of living is also expensive, but um, the pay is actually fairly low. Um, compared to, say, the rest of the United States or even Canada. So in Hawaii, um, it's, 
of course, it's nice to, to live there. And, and they always say, lucky to live Hawaii. But the reality is, is a lot of families um, need to live together in, in one house. And um, it's often referred to as ohana houses or, or ohana living, which is basically family living. So in a house of, say, you know, four or six bedrooms, um, it, you wouldn't be surprised to see two, three, even four families living in that house. You know, and they may not even be family. You know, <laughs> they might be uh, uh, renters or, or things like that. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's the case for Hawaii that a lot of people um, do share houses with, with other families. Um, as far as tourism is concerned, um, it's also expensive, especially if you go to the high tourist areas like Waikiki. Of course, there are other areas that are um, uh, less known or less popular, and you can probably get a cheaper hotel there. Uh, but certainly in Waikiki uh, or places like Maui, um, hotels can be crazy. And the food also uh, in that area could, could also be expensive. Um, so for me and, and for friends, uh, you know, for us that live in Hawaii, we often avoided uh, Waikiki and, and those places because you know it was expensive. Why would I pay ten dollars for a hamburger when I can get it for three dollars uh, in my neighborhood? It's the same burger, right? So it's it's more about okay if, if you go down to Waikiki, it's more of an experience. Maybe you want to hang out or, or see tourists or that sort of thing. But for the most part, we try to avoid Waikiki. I read in an article or just a posting on social. It, it's a few years back or a few months ago uh something about some of the locals being pushed away from like the the heart of the i guess the tourist areas because of the living expenses Is oh that... yeah absolutely um so of course you know anywhere that uh, is popular the real estate is going to be more expensive so people you know locals as i said that don't earn that much to begin with uh they are pushed away to the more remote areas of Hawaii, um, which means that they have to uh, commute, you know, like any uh, big city. Unfortunately, uh, for Hawaii, uh, getting around uh, is very difficult. The traffic uh, is much worse now than it used to be, say, 15, 20 years ago, because everybody's living in sort of the remote areas, but the places that they go to work to is downtown or Waikiki or somewhere in that area. So, you know, if there's no accident, you'll be lucky if you can get to um, your work in an hour. Now, that's an hour in traffic. If there was no traffic, it would have been 10 minutes, you know, but that's the reality. And even when, when I was um, growing up in Hawaii, um, moving around yeah it, it could be 10 minutes um, if i'm if i'm going cross town but i know that uh, if you're going on the wrong time of day especially in rush hour 10 minutes becomes an hour easy oh that's pretty intense uh and that's that's crazy because well from a map's perspective like from what i see you know the hawaiian islands it's not like big right you probably just have one one major highway to get to where you're going kind of thing yeah yeah so i mean um 
distance wise you could circle the island of Oahu which is um, the island that Honolulu's in you could circle the island in I know, three hours you know again if there was no traffic you know um, but with traffic of course it takes all day <laughs> <laughs> well that's um, like just comparing now you're you know it's probably really hot there and now you're here in Vancouver <laughs> Even when I lived in Toronto, uh, you know, as you know, Toronto is um, somewhat similar in uh, weather to New Jersey. Um, so I put up with it. Uh, well, my, my girlfriend, who ended up being my wife, um, she lived in Toronto. So I put up with it for, oh gosh, 10 years or so, 12 years. Uh, but there came a time when I started to lose patience, I guess, with the weather. And the traffic also in Toronto was horrible. Um, so I had projects in Vancouver. And so I would fly to Vancouver about once every three months, maybe uh, four months. And every time I flew to Vancouver, I always thought, man, this would be a great place to, uh, to move to. And uh, eventually, um, I asked my boss at the time if I could move to Vancouver. And uh, we made an arrangement um, where I would open the office uh, in Vancouver. So that's how I ended up being in Vancouver. Um, now, the nice thing about being here or in Vancouver is that the weather, of course, it does get cold, but never... Um, not extreme. Not extreme cold. Uh, the snow sticks for maybe a couple of days, right? Um, and the best thing for me was that from Vancouver, it's five hours to Toronto, five hours to Hawaii. So, you know, it's basically the middle. So it, it's nice that uh, my family could go to either Toronto or Vancouver, um, and it's pretty much the same distance. And here in Vancouver, you you started your own company, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, as I said, I, I opened um, the Vancouver office for the previous company that I was working with. Um, then in uh, 2017, well, maybe a little bit earlier than 2017, uh, I started thinking about um, starting my own office. Uh, a lot of it was because I was in a position in my head that I could do these things on my own. And there were certain directions that I wanted to go to uh, professionally that weren't really um, on the same path as, as the company that I was working for. So um, eventually I, I stated that uh, to my, my boss at the time. And we came to an amicable um, conclusion that I would basically take over their office. Um, so now their office uh, would basically be my office. And the nice thing is that we still work together to this day. We're still working together on certain projects um, where they need me or I need them. Uh, my company is uh, PA Technology Consultants or PATCON for short. And it was uh, with my partner and I, we started it in 2017. So as I said, you know, the direction that I wanted to go to was a little bit different from what the company that I was working for was doing. 
they were specializing uh, almost um, exclusively on AV systems. I wanted to get a little bit more outside of that box. So um, I went into what's called ICT or Information and Communications Technology Systems. That includes AV, that includes IT, uh, structured cabling, security systems, that sort of thing. Um, so I was able to expand um, my reach, so to speak, on the types of projects that I wanted to work on. Uh, the AV part was was easy, obviously, and, and of course, you know, I, I, I'm still learning about the other systems, but it's it's kept my interest, and um, you know, I'm happy that I'm able to get into these kind of things, the security and IT and all that stuff. Uh, just for our listeners, Paul, uh, can you dive in a bit more to what AV is? What 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 is a AV, what does that stand for? Yeah, okay, so AV is audio-visual or audio-visual systems. Um, these are systems that you would typically see in all kinds of commercial and professional buildings or uh, venues. So just an example, maybe a theater, um, like a performing arts theater, you know, they, you see the big speakers, you see the microphones, you see the big projector, uh, we do all of that. Uh, maybe in uh, universities, you see uh, lecture theaters or, or even classrooms where they have a TV on the wall or they have a, a projector and screen. You know, those are the kind of things that we design. We even design things for ferries, uh, for churches, you know, anything that requires some sort of display and some sort of sound we're involved with. And now... Um, we've also included things like structured cabling and, or uh, network systems and door access systems and surveillance camera systems. So that's basically uh, what, what we try to uh, cover. You've, hit, uh, um, you've worked on a couple uh, projects too as well, right? And, and I've heard you've also worked in uh, the Philippine arena in the Philippines? Yeah. So um, not with... Uh, my company, well, you know, with with my company, we have worked on, on a number of interesting projects, but the projects uh, that you're talking about was with my previous company. Um, but yes, I, I did work on the Philippine Arena, which is in uh, Bulacan. Uh, I worked on the Walt Disney Concert Hall in Los Angeles. That was a cool one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and the Chan Center for the Performing Arts, which is uh, at UBC, uh, University of British Columbia. Um, I've even done uh, work for projects in Dubai, in India, in Croatia, uh, the Bahamas, uh, Trinidad, uh, and of course, um, uh, all over Canada and the United States. Um, so one of the things that this, you know, what I do uh, has afforded me is the opportunity to travel. Now, I haven't traveled to all of these places, um, but I have traveled to many places. Um, so it's it's really cool to uh, to be able to do that. And, and you know, as far as uh, my professional interests are concerned, travel was one of it too. Was one of those interests too. I really did uh, want to see the world, and to get paid to do that, I think is really cool. COVID, 
how did that go when when that hit? Because uh, you were probably traveling all over the place pre-COVID times. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, it's almost like a switch went off. Um, before COVID, uh, yeah, I was traveling. I, there was a in a span of about four months, four or five months. Um, I was in LA. I was in St. Louis, Chicago, um, Atlanta. And actually, when I had just got back from Atlanta, it was mid-March, and uh, there was already talk about COVID. And uh, when I got back, a week after I got back, they announced everything was in lockdown. Since then, I have not traveled at all until I had to go to Edmonton uh, a week ago. So, and, and it's... You know, I have to admit, it's it was driving me a little bit crazy because I was just so used to getting on a plane, you know, traveling at least once a month. You know, it would be unusual if I wasn't traveling. So, yeah, it did affect uh, that aspect of my work for sure. Yeah, well, hopefully with the vaccines rolling out and, um, you know, hopefully the numbers get better here in Vancouver. They haven't been, but... You know, we hope that they do get better as we progress, especially with the vaccines rolling out and maybe go back to uh, to a sense of normalcy pre-COVID time. So that's <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, I uh, I hope so. But, you know, it's, it is interesting uh, in the sense that, and I, I hate to say this, but because of COVID, uh, I think people have gained a new appreciation for the avian industry and what i mean by that is that before covid you know we would still design systems um, that included you know conferencing you know what was traditionally called video conferencing or even web conferencing and basically what that meant was you know, if you, if they had a meeting room of uh, of any size, let's say four, six, eight, you know, twenty people, uh, we would include certain things like a camera or multiple cameras, microphones, uh, of course, a display, speakers, so that on the occasion that they have meetings with other businesses or other offices, that they could connect and have their meetings. But um, it was always an expensive thing and it was always more of an option kind of thing. When COVID hit and people started to learn about things like Zoom and or Teams or WebEx or whatever, uh, now they're expecting this. So I think on all the projects that I'm currently working on, every single room every single system includes a camera at least one camera at least some microphones whereas before it was more of an option now it's a requirement and even though um, most people are expecting that you know uh, it will t return to some sort of normalcy they're still anticipating that these um, AV systems are uh, are going to be required so in a sense my job my expertise has become more appreciated you know so again it's it's kind of a you know uh, uh 
advantage and disadvantage, you know, uh, where it's sad to see, you know, the world come into the situation. But uh, on the other hand, it has given people a better appreciation, some people, a better appreciation of, of what I do. And uh, certainly they now uh, feel that AV systems in their rooms uh, are very important. Whereas before it might have been, well, just throw a TV on the wall and we'll be happy. No, it's not, that's not enough anymore. Yeah, and with the, with the work from home, that um, you know, lifestyle that everyone kind of adjusted to, I don't really see that going away anytime soon, even after the, the um, you know, after post-COVID, I have a feeling that it will actually stay. And like you said, AV plays a big factor to this because I remember in the companies that I worked for or even like the offices I've seen, they would just have one dedicated room for like conferencing. That's it. Just that one room. But that's then, right. like right. you said, it's that, that won't be the case anymore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the big buzzwords right now is a hybrid workplace uh, where uh, a lot of companies are expecting that uh, their employees will be working from home or some of their employees will be working from home. So you're right. Uh, everybody at home, but also in the office, uh, they need to have the uh, AV equipment to do their uh, conferencing, right? Their, their Zoom meetings or their team meetings. Um, so again, where it used to be an option to have these peripherals now, they need to have these systems and it has to be in every meeting room, you know, not just the one special uh, conferencing room. Every single meeting room is expected to have these cameras and, and all these other things. And it can get quite complicated uh, having to design these, right? Because like, um, like uh, what do you call this? Like you said, everyone's getting used to Zoom and all this and all these uh, applications. And us learning about it, it's just, um, but at a company level, it gets pretty complicated once you start actually designing these, right? Yeah, actually, um, again, because of COVID, it's given people a new appreciation of the systems. And um, they have uh, higher expectations or they're continuing to have higher expectations of how this, the room should sound and how the room should look. So whereas before, you know, one camera at the end, maybe one microphone at the end is fine. Now they want these things to be almost like everyone is in the same room. So yeah, there, there uh, are a lot of factors and it's not just the equipment. There are a lot of factors that come into play when you're designing a room. And I, again, for, for me and for uh, the people uh, that do what I do, we've been doing this for years, right? But now, again, people are, are appreciating that lighting levels um, are important. Noise levels inside of a room are important. The acoustics uh, of the room are important. Um, trying to block out light you know, where the camera is, that's important. So all of these different factors that uh, have to be taken into account, now people are saying, yeah, we get it. Now we know that we need to uh, design rooms in a certain way in order to make it uh, work 
for these hybrid meetings, these web conference meetings. Yeah, I agree because in the past, people would be just like, um, even myself, I like, oh yeah, web, yeah, just just plug in a plug in a webcam and point yeah. it at yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's well, more than that. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. I mean, of course, you can get away with it if you're just by yourself. You know, you can use the the camera that's uh, part of your laptop, and and maybe you put on a headset, um, and you'll sound pretty good. But when you're in a room of even just four people, but let's say in a room of 20 people, trying to get that same uh, quality of audio and video uh, becomes much more difficult because now you've got all these different factors, uh, as I said before, of acoustics and lighting and all that stuff uh, that plays a part of a successful AV system design. Uh, what would you say would be your, I guess... Uh the biggest project by or favorite project favorite project that you've worked on oh uh, i'm glad you asked that um like i said i've worked in the philippines and and croatia and india and all these other uh nice places very very cool places but and now uh, when you say work you went there as well to do the work there some of them yeah yeah okay, so okay. i've been to the philippines i've, I've been to trinidad um you know, United States, uh, you know, all, all, all the uh, provinces of Canada, all or most of the provinces of Canada. Um, so I, I've been into quite a number of places, but I have to say that my favorite project is called, is the Overture Hall in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, this was back in um, 2001, 2002. But what was really cool uh, about this project was that they, uh, the developer took an entire city block, gutted it, and put a bunch of performing arts spaces within that city block. So there was like a big um, uh, theater, performing arts theater. Uh, there was a recital hall. Uh, there were a number of black box theaters, um, all kinds of different things inside this this uh, city block, um, and it was so cool. I just thought that man, I I'm so happy to <laughs> to be working on this project. And you know, I was fairly young at the time, um, so I was always I was still learning. But I it's I don't know. I I just thought this was uh, such a neat project, and uh, I would fly out about once every two to three months during construction. So I got to see uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I appreciated uh, that place a lot. And I think it was very cool. And oddly enough, one of the main reasons this project was my favorite was because I liked the people that were involved. You know, I liked the design folks, the architects, the engineers that were involved. I loved the construction team that was involved. We just all got along really well. And so I always look forward to flying to Madison, you know, because I just think, yeah, I get to see these folks again and and, uh, and uh, talk to them and work with them. So uh, I guess that's, you know, it's the people, you know, of all the different projects. It, it's not the most complicated project that I worked on, but it was the most fun, um, but also the most fulfilling. 
No, so yeah, the Overture Hall in Madison, Wisconsin. I, I to this day, and people have asked me that before. I always say it's the Overture Hall in Madison, Wisconsin. Have you, when it was completed, have you watched a show there? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's nice, you know, for for what I do. Um, we are there basically from beginning to end. So even before the construction, we you know we took a look or worked on the on the, the building plans, um, the architect's drawings and the engineer's drawings. And then once it's under construction, we go out there, make sure that uh, our particular systems that, you know, that we're involved with are, are being installed properly and to answer any questions or um, what they call RFIs or requests for information and that sort of thing. And then in the end of it, which really isn't the end of it, but the end, we, we test the systems, right? To make sure that the, the systems are installed properly, that they're optimized and that sort of thing. But even after that, we uh, attend several performances uh, over the course of you know two, three months to make sure that things uh, operate the way that they're supposed to. So it's not just the testing, but in a real life situation where it's being used as a performance uh, space where, you know, we, we watch a play or we watch a, a concert, whatever the, uh, is going on in that, in that space, uh, because it does give us the um, appreciation for, for what we design, right. You know, for, for years we're thinking of, okay, we need these speakers here and this, in these uh, inputs there and blah, blah, blah. But of course, it's all concept until it's actually put in there, right? And so once it's actually put in, it gives us, or certainly gives me, the validation that this time that I've spent designing the systems and, and going through the construction, it was all worth it, you know? So that's uh, one of the things that, uh, I don't know, it helps me love my job. Yeah, I actually did a, a Google search while you were uh, talking there. It's a... I think this is the right one. It's like a four story or four level or I don't know what you call it, four balcony or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, theater. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, that's one of them. See, that's the thing is that that. Oh, that, that's one. That's only one. That's only one. It's 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 a proscenium theater. They call it a proscenium theater, um, and that's just one of several performing art spaces inside of that that city block. So can you imagine? Wow. Especially under construction. So you see these things go up, you know, and you know you see the uh, the different levels go up uh, over the course of you know several months or, or even years. But man, it's just so neat. To our listeners, it's uh, it's big. <laughs> I <laughs> and think if the- that one was like twenty five hundred seats, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. It's like I said, what was it, fifteen twenty years ago? So <laughs> it's been a while, but. Uh, I just remember more of the experience of it. We may have some listeners who are probably looking to start, you know, make that jump to starting something of their own, maybe uh, in whatever field that may be. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say some of the things that um, kind of some of the lessons that you were able to pick up on the way in uh, in uh, starting your own, your, your own company, your own business? Well, um, uh, let me tell you my story. Um, as I said, I, I, I worked for many different uh, AV integrators and consulting companies over the years. 
then I decided to go out on my own. So by the time I, I went on my own, um, the AV was, I don't want to say easy. Uh, I do want to say that I was an expert or I am an expert at the AV design part, right? And I think that was important in my line of work because if I'm not an expert, then there's no way that anyone's going to uh, entrust their project to me, right? So I had to make sure that I knew what I was doing. But the business of doing business was completely new to me. Now, I did do a lot of research. You know, I went to the library day after day. I bought a bunch of books. And I even talked to a lot of people. I, I listened to other podcasts. I watched YouTube videos and so on and so forth. Um, and I did that so that I could understand how to start a business. Uh, actually, one book that... that uh, I liked was uh, uh, Small Business for Dummies, you know, that series. Um, and it was, it, it, it was well written. It was, it was written uh, so a dummy like me <laughs> who uh, doesn't know anything about business can understand, aside from the service that I'm trying to provide, how do I make sure that all the other parts of the business actually work? So, you know, you've got your sales, your marketing, your accounting, legal, you know, all those different certifications and insurances that, that are part of the type of business that I do. I had to learn about all of that, you know, and I had to make sure that before I even started the business that my ducks were in a row. I may not have known exactly what was going to happen, but at least I could plan for it. And speaking of plans, one of the most important things I did and I highly recommend it to anyone and it doesn't have to be a formal thing but to have a business plan and it's you know you go ahead and, and search what a business plan is and, and what it should do um, but it doesn't have to be um, totally straight or it doesn't have to be super complicated really what it is is that you're putting onto paper what you think your company is going to do and if you don't do that, you're kind of guessing, right? So, and unfortunately, you know, if you don't do that, you're also not, um, you're not planning. You're not making sure that uh, you're, you're covering your bases. And one of the things I used to uh, put on my wall, if, uh, if, you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? So uh, that's why I, I thought a business plan, I still think a business plan is extremely important if you're going to start your own business. Um, now, when I say start your own business, I mean, of course, a lot of people, they have side businesses. I have a side, I have several side businesses, frankly, but um, yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing yeah. your post lately. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the new but, side, side yeah. business going. <laughs> Those are things are, are kind of like interest. Let's put it that way. But a real company, a, a company where I'm really going to hang my hat on and it's going to be my main source of income, you can't go at it half-hearted. You really have to put a plan together, you know, in order to make it work. And that's not going to say that the plan is actually going to work. In fact, it's probably going to be very different. But at the very least, it helps you take your first steps into 
starting uh, a company. Now, one thing that I would equate it to, I don't know if everyone, if anyone would agree, but it's kind of like having your child. You know, have, when, you, when you have a child, you can read all the books you want, which I've, <laughs> I've done. You can talk to all kinds of parents. Uh, but to be honest, everyone's experience is different. So what you envision, or what you hope for, what you think you're going to do may not be what you end up with. But at the very least, you're prepared, right? And at least that way, if things go sideways, maybe there's a way to handle it. The other thing, too, is that, there, of course, there are resources uh, available to you if you know, you're starting your small business and maybe something is not working or you don't know how to handle it. You know, there are a ton of resources uh, for that. So that, uh, you know, let's say it's, uh, you need to get a loan for something. Maybe banks won't give you a loan because you're a small company, uh, but there are other ways of getting money. Um, or even uh, leads, you know, sales leads, or people that could help you in marketing or in sales, and they can do it for free, you know. Um, and it, it, even for me, it was uh, really helpful to find these uh, these different uh, resources. And you know, not to be cheap, but I'll tell you, the first I'm going to say six months of the company. We were really lean. Like, I wasn't getting paid. And so, you know, trying to figure that out, how do I get money, you know? Uh, how do I pay myself? How, you know, how do we get clients? It was difficult. And it really did also give me an appreciation for other small businesses, um, and especially small businesses that have been in business for years, if not decades, you know, I think a lot of people uh, who work a nine to five job at some big company um, or even the government, they may not have the same appreciation of a small business that other small business owners do, you know? So when you see ads for, you know, for places will buy from small businesses it helps the small uh, owners. I really take that to heart. I, I understand um, where that's coming from. So, yeah, I, I try to help other small businesses if I could. Going back to the plan, the plan doesn't take um, overnight, right? It's not like something you come up today and there you go. That's it. That's, that's the whole Yeah, no, no, no. I mean... Um, basically the, the business plan is the way to help you um, put the effort to figure out what you need to do. For example, the start of a business plan is what do you want to do, right? I want to start an AV consulting company. What do you want to achieve? You know, I want to make this uh, a big company or whatever the case is, or I want to earn X many dollars a year, yada, yada, yada. Um, what resources do I need in order to make that work? Now you're starting to figure out, okay, I need this and I need that. You know, maybe it's a restaurant I wanted to start. Well, you know, I, I need a bunch of pans. I need a stove. You know, I need a fridge. You know, then you start really expanding on that. Now you don't have to get 
completely detailed, right? But at least put those um, blocks together, right? How much money do I need to spend up front? Well, that's another thing that uh, you're going to have to figure out. You know, it's, it's different for every company. So you need to know, do I need to save 10 grand? Do I need to save 100 grand or, or find that money? Uh, then, you know, then from there, it's how do you find that money, right? So it's, again, all part of this business plan so that before you, you start day one of the, of the business, you should already have some, if not all of it, in place. And again, it may not end up that way, but at least you have that plan and you can follow it. So as you're moving along, you might find out that, oh, um, I, don't, I actually need three stoves to do what I got to do. Then, okay, I got to expand that aspect of, of the business plan. Okay, I need more um, capital in order to make this work. But if you're trying to do that, if you don't find out about it um, before you start the business, you might have saved $10,000 and ended up losing $50,000 or $100,000 because you never thought of that, right? And then, of course, there's the legal things. You know, again, as, as I said before, uh, you, the, the business plan really is uh, the, the document that pushes you to learn more about the business of whatever you're doing whether it's a engineering company or a restaurant or bakery or, or whatever, you know, mechanic. Is there something that didn't go to plan when you were, um, I guess, launching the business or just, uh, I guess, um, something you wish uh, that you could have done a bit differently in, uh, in the um, process? You know, it's, uh, it's hard to say that I would have done anything differently. Maybe, maybe I would have learned more about certain other aspects of business, especially marketing, uh, because that was something that uh, was not part of me. You know, marketing, sales was. That, that's the interesting thing is that sales. I know. I feel like I am a pretty good salesman, but a marketing person, I just wasn't in tune to that. I didn't understand that the marketing aspect of a, a business um, is more than just knocking on doors, you know? So, and especially now with social media, it's, it's actually become a little bit easier in some sense, but a little bit more complex in the sense that uh, there are all kinds of avenues now. Um, so trying to reach out to people, whether it's through Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever the case is, you just have to make sure that you're paying attention. Um, but yeah, the, the marketing aspect of it, I had to learn. Um, so maybe I, w I wish I put more time into that. Now, having said that, um, we were actually quite busy. Um, once, once our company started going, uh, we were actually quite busy, so I didn't spend a lot of time on marketing um, until recently. But then, of course, when you when you go through something like COVID, and then your your whole um, company strategy changes because 
I'm not traveling anymore, right? Or people's focuses are different. Now I need to figure out, okay, how do I steer my company to where the money is, right? Where, whereas before it was to a bunch of performing arts centers, for example. But now all that money went from the arts to say hospitals or, or whatever. So I need to figure out, well, how do I get there? How do I get to those uh, avenues now? So those are the kind of things that, uh, uh, that I'm, I'm learning. That's remarkable, and I really appreciate you sharing these points to us and to to myself and to our listeners. Because I know, obviously, my my pod my show right now the podcast it's not it's not a business. But then some of the points that you mentioned here is useful for for pretty much anyone who would want to start something new, who would want to plan on doing something. It doesn't have to be business related, right? It could be just. Uh, I don't know, starting yeah. a new hobby or something or starting a, a personal Oh, exactly, project. exactly. So uh, what I learned in my business, my, my real business uh, of PatCon, I've applied those lessons to those side businesses that we were talking about, you know? And, and, and of course, it, it's more of, of interests, right? That, that I'm, it's cool that I'm getting paid for. But the fact is that I learned uh, the business side of it because of PatCon. I knew that there were certain things uh, that I needed to do to be successful. And so I applied those. Now, of course, I'm not going to really put so much effort into those side businesses because uh, it's not really my focus. Um, but again, those lessons that I learned, I applied them to, to these other businesses. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe they do become, you know, big businesses too. Right. And uh, at least, uh, I can say, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, give us a peek there of uh, one of your side businesses there? Um, right now, I have two. One is uh, Hawaiian food. Um, yeah, oh, okay. it's called Noelani's Hawaiian Paradise. Um, is that like a food cart? Not a food cart. It's, it's more catering. Oh, I see. I see. And, and, and the reason for that was because, you know, moving to Canada... There's no Hawaiian food here. And Pokey really became uh, popular only in the last couple of years. Um, but I've always missed Hawaiian food. And, I, you know, I wouldn't get in until I was in Hawaii. Now, I'm no cook, but I wanted to learn how to make those dishes. Um, so I did. I learned how to make them. And then I thought, well, I wonder if anybody else would enjoy this. So I started sharing it, um, you know, in parties and that sort of thing. Uh, and people liked it. So I thought, hey, I wonder if anybody would actually buy this stuff. <laughs> so I actually advertised and people started buying. The other thing, the other uh, side business uh, is my detailing, which is fairly new, but it's a, a vehicle detailing, right? A car detailing uh, business. Um, and it's really new, but I just, it was just another interest of mine uh, because I like to clean my car. <laughs> um, but uh, I just thought, hey, I wonder if other people would, would be interested in it. And actually, people are. I was actually kind of surprised that people would pay me money to clean their car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, I enjoy it. Um, and people make it worth my while. And hopefully, I'm providing a good service, you know. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's just something that uh, I like to do. So I, to be honest, I, I feel quite blessed that uh, I'm actually getting paid to do these things that I like to do, which Passion includes Patreon. Right? Exactly. But that's the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was um, what makes my business Patcon successful in my opinion one of those is the passion aspect of it um, when you you know you get a job and you go to work you know depending on the person but I'm going to guess that much of the people that go to work that go to their office their 9 to 5 job uh, the passion for that varies right in my company, and I'm sure that almost all small businesses um, think the same way. This business is not only a business, not only a, a job, but it's their passion. And frankly, it's also their aptitude, right? Like maybe, you know, I, I could do other things. You know, I could play guitar. Maybe I could have been a musician, but I didn't have the, the passion for that. But engineering and AV design and these things that I'm doing now, I'm good at it, I think. <laughs> but I also have passion for it, which means that I always want to get better. You know, I'm always trying to improve myself. I'm always trying to understand how could this be a better product? How could my service be better? And even the design aspect of it. Is my design really good? Or are things changing in the world, especially in terms of technology, that I need to pay attention to so that I can do my job the best that I can? So one of the uh, books that I've been reading is called Good to Great. And they, they bring up uh, uh, this concept. It's called the Hedgehog concept and uh basically it's it's from a it's a story um about foxes and hedgehogs now based on this story uh and of course i, I um i'm paraphrasing but basically the fox um has all these different talents right could do all kinds of things whereas a hedgehog only does one thing and the fox is always trying to eat the hedgehog. Um, and as cunning as it is, it still can't, right? Because the hedgehog is an expert at defending itself. Right? That's the one thing you can do really, really good. So uh, in this book, um, uh, Good to Great, uh, the guy, uh, the writer, basically describes um, three aspects of this hedgehog concept. And number one is um, understanding what you're truly passionate about, right? What really drives you. And the second is um, identifying what do you do, your company, what does it do better than anyone else? And not to be uh, uh, egotistical about it, but really, you you should, as a business owner, think that you are the best at what you are doing, 
or if not the best, at least you're striving to be the best. And then thirdly, how do you measure that money? Where's the, the, the economic engine, they call it? Understanding that economic engine. You can put those three together. You can really be a successful company, according to um, the author. And I, I, I believe that that is true, that uh, if you can combine the, the passion, your aptitude, and the, econ- uh, the economics of that business, you can be a great company. And, they, you know, they, they uh, use several examples of this. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to give it away, but I think that uh, it, it, a lot of it is, is true, you know. The other thing, too, about uh, these passion projects, as, as you called it, uh, is that it, one of the things that always bothers me is when I see um, certain people saying, you know, leave business at work. You know, uh, I understand the the sentiment. Like your your job shouldn't rule your life. I get that, but I do believe that it's a a high priority, not the highest priority, but a high priority. You know, for me, I can't just turn it off once you know i'm done at work okay i'm done and i'm gonna go do something else like like i said i i always want to get better and sometimes getting better cannot be achieved between nine and five you know what i mean so it's always and like for me it's important to um not limit yourself to office hours or only when you're at work. That's not to say that when you're at home, you're still thinking about work, but it's a passion that does, that shouldn't leave you just because you left the office. You know what I mean? So even even uh, this detailing that I was telling you about, I'll, I'll think about it, you know? I'm not going to do anything, but I always think about, okay, how could I, you know, maybe I should use a different wax, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe if I use this uh, a different product, then uh, maybe it'll look better. Or how can I make this look better? You know, so on and so forth. Or how can I make it faster? Uh, all these different things. And, and again, it's not something that you, you, you might be able to think about, you know, between nine and five. It's something that is always ongoing. Um, I think what's more important from a, from a life perspective is prioritizing, of course prioritizing uh, what's important. So for me, my faith is number one, my family is number two, but my uh, business is number three, you know? So I always want to be able to do better in in all those things, right? And of course, I've got all my other things too, but uh, certainly for those three, I'm always thinking about how do I get better at these particular things, my my faith, my family, and my, my business. How can I do that? And so I don't, stop thinking about any of these things between certain hours. I might focus on one thing for a certain period of time, but I never forget about the others. I never turn it off, never totally turn it off. Um, so for me, it, I, I like when, when I meet uh, like-minded people where we're able to talk no matter what time of day, 
uh, about work, you know, as long as it's not uh, totally consumed, as I said, right? Um, so within so reason. Within reason, exactly, exactly. So that's my mindset anyway. Um, and hopefully uh, I can find other people with that mindset because one of my goals as, a, uh, as PatCon is to grow as a company. Um, I do have a certain uh, goal as far as the size of the company and number of employees and, and that sort of thing. Um, so hopefully I can find like-minded people. And that's the other thing that's in uh, Good to Great is to find like-minded people that have the same passion, that have the same uh, aptitude and that sort of thing so that we can work together as a team. So, yeah. Paul the engineer, Paul the <laughs> chef. Can I, can I call you chef? Um, Paul the detailer. Yeah, right. So, I mean, with that drive, I'm pretty sure there's uh, those side businesses. They're, they're going to get, you know, they're going to go somewhere as well. Because like you said, I, I agree with what you said. You can't just limit yourself to, especially if it's your, uh, you have passion for what you're doing. Because, you know, you know, you, you're maybe done your nine to five, but then I don't know, 6.45 PM, something hits, not hits physically, hit, but something uh, comes to, comes to the back of your mind. And, you know, you just randomly develop this drive. Exactly. Right? So, and you should give yourself the opportunity to do that. You know, it's, it's inspiration that comes at any time, right? And you should always be open, in my opinion, you should always be open to those inspirations, to those ideas. And then maybe uh, the next day you can apply those ideas or think more about those ideas and try to expand on. With speaking of inspiration, I actually learned that the hard way because before when I was um, uh, in high school, I, I, I would want to write songs and all that, but I'd be like, yeah, I'll, uh, take the whole Saturday, just sit down and be inspired. It doesn't, <laughs> exactly. doesn't happen like that. Exactly. <laughs> you, 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 no, it, <laughs> inspiration strikes you. Absolutely. Anytime. Exactly. And, and some of the greatest songs they're, they're written at, you know, at midnight or three in the morning. Right. And, you know, you can't say, Oh no, I don't start working until nine. So I'm just going to forget it. No, it doesn't happen. Same thing with business, you know, so, or even a profession just as a profession. Um, yeah. Uh, inspiration can come at any time. You know, I, I will say um, that as far as passion project and, and starting your own business and that sort of thing, I think it, it is uh, for certain types of people. Not everybody thinks the same way, right? So, of course, you know, it's, it's understandable that certain People want to live a certain way, and I get it. You know, it's just that it's not my way, so to speak. Um, but I will say, I feel quite lucky that I'm I can do what I do, and the idea of retirement. And I'm, I'm not that old, to be honest. But the idea of retirement is strange to me because. From what I know, retirement basically means you're not working anymore. And you're not working anymore so you can go do the things that you want to do. Well, guess what? I'm doing the things that I want to do. And I'm getting paid for it. So how cool is that? Right? So I don't know 
if I'll ever retire unless I'm physically unable to do what I do. You know what I mean? But I remember, you know, years ago, there was always the notion of, oh, retiring at 55 or, or whatever number you want to use. Um, and so the more I, I heard about it, it was more like, okay, you have to gather X amount of dollars so that by the time you're 55 or 65 or whatever the number is, that you can live off that money. But to me, I just think, well, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit around or travel and spend money, you know, for the rest of your life. Like to me that, I don't know, for me, it doesn't make sense because I can make money now and I can do what I want to now. Right. But there's always a certain amount of discipline, which I think people still need. Well, people will always need, even if you're old. So for me, I, I feel quite lucky that, that I have this passion, uh, I have this aptitude, and I'm getting paid to do these things that I want to do. You know? And I, I hope more people are like that. And, and I would encourage, you know, for all your listeners, uh, if they do have something that they, they want to try, go ahead and try it. You know, plan. Plan to do it. And it's not something that uh, happens overnight. Like, you know, we were just talking about, it, it does take time. So no matter how old you might be, you can still do the things that you want to do. Like for me, I didn't start my own business until I was um, in my 40s, you know? So I think it doesn't matter how old anybody is, and they could be in their 20s or, or whatever, uh, start your business you know it doesn't mean that you have to quit maybe you've got a job that you like or at the very least you know helps you to to um, save up money but plan you know do do some work you know to to start up this business i think it would be great to see if more people did that i think things like covid you know all these different economy uh, issues I don't think it would be as bad, you know, because I think people would start to understand, okay, uh, as a business, I need to do these certain things, you know. And I think more people would be more mindful of their finances if they started their own small business. Very inspiring, Paul. Very, very inspiring. Is, um, especially uh, now with... Um, like with our listeners and even myself, I guess trying to figure out what what it is like having that fulfillment, right? Like um, like you said earlier, many um, you know there there are many people go to work with uh, you know not really getting the fulfillment that they're yearning for, and it's um, I th- I think this is very important for um, any regardless of what age you're in like you said to to actually know what what it is that will you know give you that fulfillment in what you do and i think right now there's a lot of um in in my generation anyways in uh, the younger generation there's uh, I've, I've been seeing that more especially with social media popping up uh more and more uh, uh young people i would say yeah, are starting to have that mindset, which is very, very good. 
Yeah, I, uh, I actually, you're absolutely right. I, I see a number of younger uh, folks finding a way to make money. It's not necessarily the traditional way. Uh, maybe they're not working at McDonald's or they're not doing whatever. They're making it on YouTube, perhaps. Um, or, you know, like you, they're, they're making podcasts and that sort of thing. But what's nice, what's really cool, is that these are things that they seem to be passionate about and they, they seem to be really good at. So they're doing exactly what I was just describing about this hedgehog concept is that they're taking things that they know how to do and they're good at uh, and really passionate about and, and doing it. And yeah, you're right. Um, say 20, 30 years ago, that kind of thing, you know, it, it wasn't as popular, you know, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. Um, but now I read about, uh, say, YouTube stars, right, that perhaps are millionaires, um, and all they're doing is they're making videos of, I don't know, games or, or whatever, but these are things that, that they're actually good at, so more power to them, you know, if, if you can do that, then it's fantastic. I, I think uh, you're, you're in the right direction, you know, rather than say, okay, you know, I better just find a job. You know, I think that's where, well, it separates people. Let's put it that way. There are people that are passionate and they're going to excel. And then there's going to be other people that just kind of accept where they're at. Thank, thank you so much for being here. And, and uh, with these points that you have, it's, uh, I, I'm inspired, to be honest with you. And I know I have, there's a, a lot of takeaways for me to apply to my own um, my, my own project here and even to future projects. And hopefully our listeners were a also able to uh, take notes, I guess, to these, um, these, uh, sorry, Paul. <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that they didn't get inspired. <laughs> Running out of words. Hopefully, at the very least, people get inspired. Of course, this is not uh, a seminar, but hopefully, you know, people who might have been thinking about starting a business, about following their passion, that maybe this will push them uh, forward a little bit to, to move to that, right? See, I'm so um, encapsulated with uh, Paul, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't think properly. <laughs> I mean, man, this has been a great conversation. I thank you so much for, for doing Drone, this, sir. No, I had a great time. But unfortunately, we have to uh, wrap things up, but I know we can go... I, I have more questions. I can tell you that there's a lot more things I, I guess I want to seek advice from and um, and yeah, and just learn because uh, this is a uh, you're do you're at the position that I want to be in the future. You know, being able to do what you love and be be uh, be paid for it, and you know, and just enjoy 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 what you're doing. Well, you know what? Uh, let's try and get uh, the listeners to. Uh send you some feedback and say, Hey, uh, get Paul back on. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, man. Thank you so much. Um, just before we wrap up, I usually ask, um, a trivia question. It's, um, something that I just came up with. Do you have a movie or TV show recommendation that you would have for, for myself or, or to, to our listeners? Just, just, or your all-time favorite, or any any of those. Um. Okay, this will show how old I am. My all-time favorite movie 
is weird science. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. Check, uh, IMDb it or, or whatever. Uh, Google it. Uh, IMDb. <laughs> weird science. That is my favorite movie. Weird. For, Who's in that movie? Uh, Kelly. Oh, I forgot her last name. Um, you know who's in it actually is Iron Man, Robert Downey oh, uh, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> but he was young. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a teenager. He was probably early twenties at that time. Kelly LeBrock. That's what that's it. Oh yeah, I don't know yeah. who that. Is. Really? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, she was the reason why I loved the movie. <laughs> All right, so um, being the li- the podcast called the Lifetimes Podcast, if you were given a chance to either live in or just travel back to to just be a spectator, what time period would you would you want to visit or live in? For sure, the time of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah, I you know. Aside to live to live in that time or yeah, just yeah, yeah. to see the thing. Well, okay. you know, both, both, but uh, faith aside. Well, but of course, it's important. But uh, aside from that, I am re- really interested in what uh, Christianity was like when it was like small. You know, because at the time, uh, of course, you know, with, with Jesus Christ, uh, a handful of people knew what Christianity was. I mean, that wasn't even a word at the time. Um, but I just I just thought it would be so neat to just uh, see that. Now, of course, Christians were persecuted and maybe I wouldn't want to live that part of it, you know. Um, but just seeing the growth of, of this um, religion, uh, I just think is super, super fascinating. And to, to see where uh, now it's huge, where at the time it was just a handful of people, I just think, wow, uh, it would be really neat to, to look at, you know, how it, how it grew. Or how it started, I should say. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for uh, joining us today. Hopefully you enjoyed our time. I enjoyed my time here. It's been uh yeah it's it's awesome. It's been fun. <laughs> so, to our listeners, hopefully everyone enjoyed that episode as well. And if you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Instagram and Paul, do you have any do you have Instagram? Do you have a uh, uh yeah, um go to uh if you want to check out my company, Patcon, it's patcon.ca, p a t c o n.ca. Uh, if you want Hawaiian food, go on Facebook and check out Noelani's Hawaiian Paradise, N-O-E-L-A-N-I, Noelani's Hawaiian Paradise. Uh, and if you want a detail, just call me. Uh, to be honest, uh, it's only for <laughs> you know people that live around me. I'm, I'm not really pushing that. And there you go, everyone. Paul the engineer, Paul the chef, and Paul the detailer. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've enjoyed this episode, there's a a lot of things that Paul went over here. It's very great and valuable uh, knowledge that he's given us through the years of experience. So if you like that episode, please give it a share to everyone that you know or anyone who may be uh, starting a small business or hoping to start 
a small business, please give it a share. And if you've listened to the entirety of the episode, please give us a comment on the on the Instagram page to let us know what was your favorite part of the show or what was your biggest takeaway from what Paul has given us during this episode. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you in the next episode.